Hello and welcome to JudgeCast, broadcasting from Great Escape Games in Sacramento, California. This is Sean Catanese. And Ricky Hayashi, although I think I've been replaced by Jose. No, no, no. Jose is one of our level ones locally who's on the show a little bit later, and he has a possibly counterfeit Power 9 card that will be uh, bringing a test of it to you. Um, if you're one of our 151 fans on Facebook, you already have seen the pictures of these tests. The bend test and the UV test that we put it through. Counterfeit, huh? Uh, he didn't get it from me. Definitely not. Def- definitely not you, Ricky. No. Huh? Uh-huh. No money back, sorry. Okay, well, I'll have to see if your name matches the eBay seller from which he bought it. Um, but I, I do suspect that, uh, no, it is not you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I've owned exactly one piece of power, I believe, in my lifetime. Well, this uh, is this this is the. Um, I, I won't ruin the surprise now, but I will tell you it is not a Lotus or Mox, so it's not like the high end of the of the power that's. And I probably will never own any now. Right, right. No Judge Foil Black Lotus for me. Okay, look, we've beaten this thing to death. <laughs> we have enough feedback on the preprint policy. We don't need to hear it anymore. So should we complain about something else then? Let's. We've got tons of stuff we can complain about. Let's. Let's before we get into all of this. Let's give our listeners because we've rambled on here for a good couple minutes, and they have even no idea what we're actually going to cover today. Okay. So let's give you some idea. Um, first off, um, we will be talking again about the authenticity of that Power Nine card. Um, we also do want to talk a little bit about some upcoming tournaments, um, stuff that's going on in the world of the DCI and sanctioned events. Also, uh, we'll be answering lots of listeners' questions. Uh, we've got a, a particularly large number of questions here, so we'll go through that. That's what happens when you put two episodes out in one week. That was an accident. Even though I said, save one. Well, no, I sent, I sent the episode off to Chris Otwell over at MTG Cast, and he's like, oh, a new episode, let's put that up on Wednesday, right after we put one up on Monday. But Oops. Yeah, um, so I had to rush it off to Trick over at uh, Man Nation, make sure they both got it out at the same time. Hopefully it worked out okay, but yeah, those of you who uh, listened to both episodes that last week there, um, that means that you have been without us for a while, so we do have a lot of questions to answer for you. Other than that, we also have to resolve our last contest, where Ricky's going to send you a draft set of shards block. Oh, right. We should figure out the logistics of the sending, shouldn't we? Yeah, well, I I figured you'd just mail it to the guy that won last time. You didn't do that, did you? You didn't. You gotta tell me these things. Oh man, Parker, I'm sorry. We'll get it to you. I swear. Um, so we're we're gonna resolve this other one for this new contest that uh, Toby posed, and then also we'll add another listener contest at the end of the show so that people can send us their um, answers to that. Now we haven't really decided on what question we're gonna use from that, but um, hopefully we'll be able to send out. Always, a- always a good way to do things on the fly. This is this is improvisational judge cast today. Um, though it actually is pretty well planned, I I, I I think so at least. Well, that it works better that way when you pretend like it's not planned, but then there is a plan. Well, there's there's sort of a plan. We'll 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 work it through here. I mean, all of the great Starfleet captains operate that way. The great Starfleet captains? You're talking about who exactly? Janeway? She's like the greatest captain of all time, isn't she? Based on her track record, she may be. Oh, really? 
Sure. Okay. See, I said that just to get a rise out of you. I didn't realize you actually were a Janeway fan. I'm not a fan. Okay. I'm just saying that the, the things she accomplished were quite unique. Well, I mean, she single-handedly, like, based at captain-wise, defeated mm-hmm. the Borg. Oh, well, right? she sure, took two uh, different versions of her, but right, sure. But she destroyed Unimatrix Zero, which is the Borg, quote-unquote, homeworld. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so those of you who are just Netflixing all of your Voyager episodes, I'm sorry, Ricky, just ruined it for you. Oh, come on. No, um, <laughs> no one at this point is like, you know what? Star Trek Voyager, I want to watch from start to finish. This ain't lost, Okay. Okay. All right. Let's well, talk about magic. So let's let's get to it then. Um, I want to start off and welcome all of our 150 fans on Facebook. Really you said 151. Oh, you're right. 151. That's right. As of this recording, it's 151. I'm going to check now. And the 150th fan, by my reckoning here, is none other than John Carter. Um, How do is, you know the order? Does it tell you? Well, no. I think it just kind of – he was the one that showed up and as soon as it said, hey, John Carter's a fan, I checked over there and it said 150. So I oh. assume that's got to be him. There are 151. There you go. Well, um, John Carter, of course, is the former judge program manager, um, definitely well-respected head judge of Grand Prix Oakland. Um, and I do not begrudge him being our 150th fan and not our first because it was one of the things that uh, we screwed up on, or that I screwed up on, really, in uh, losing the interview with him. Um, so I blame Toby. I'm sorry, Ricky just showed me an uh, motivational poster uh, or demotivational poster <laughs> uh, that says, I blame Toby. And it's um, because nothing in life is so bad that it can't be marginally improved with the proper scapegoat. Yeah. Um, and so and there's gonna, a picture of Toby, I think, from college, I guess. Yeah, in some Wearing sort of a suit a, and one of those. What are those called? It's not a tie. Uh, it's a bow tie. It's is, a bow tie. A He's bow tying tie? a bow tie. Yeah. Okay. What would you like to get to first here? You want to talk about the uh, authenticity of that Power 9 card? You want to get to the mailbag? You want to talk about tournaments coming up? Just talk about the Power 9 card. Okay, well, Power 9 card. Okay, well, let's uh, have you guys all listen to, guys and girls, our listeners here. We'll let you listen to Jose Bovida and myself earlier this week testing out his brand spanking new fresh from eBay Power 9 card. So we have a special guest here today. Our guest is Jose Bovida, and he is going to tell us a little bit about a card he just got off of eBay. Hello, world. So here's the story. Uh, I bought an unlimited time twister off eBay. Got the card in, and when I saw it, something something wasn't right. The card had a number of discrepancies that I took to mean that it could be counterfeit. So I'm hoping to verify that. Okay. And we have a few methods here that we can use to check up on the authenticity of the card. Um, now, I was cutting it in half uh, and checking the inside. Yes, part. yes, that does. Um, that's not generally the preferred method. Full, foolproof, but... Yes, it is a foolproof method. Um, the reason that you can cut it apart and look on the inside, and you can try this with any um, worthless common that you have lying around, um, I probably dooming many callers of gales by saying this. <laughs> um, but if you rip the card in half, um, you will see a tasty blue filling. And <laughs> that is the inside of the card that the card's makers, Cartamundi, um, in Belgium, that's the, the special sauce they add to the card to make it verifiable as a magic card. Um, and it gives the card some other properties, too. 
the cardstock that they use has certain bending properties. Um, it has certain other properties that we're going to about to test here. Now, there are a bunch of tests, and actually the, the place that I sent you to when you first brought this up was um, a place called Apathy House uh, that runs, they, they have a list of all the sorts of different fake testing methods that they've used to test all sorts of magic cards. The sorts of tests that they have on there include the infamous bend test, where you take the two short sides of the card um, and you try to touch them and then flatten the card out. And if it's an authentic card, ideally, it won't crease. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's what you got to make sure of. You don't want to like actually fold the card in half and like run your thumb across the fold. And, <laughs> it's and, a great you know, way to ruin a jism gin or yeah, something. It, it'll um, definitely ruin it. But um, they have they have a bounce to them. If you take those those two short ends and kind of pinch them together when you pull it away, I'm mm-hmm. doing it right here on an unlimited invisibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the card will have a bend to it, but it won't have a crease. You should be able to just, you know, gingerly straighten the card back, and it should be like nothing new. Right. Now, if you do that too many times to a card, it will eventually crease. Right. So that's one of the problems with these older cards that have been bend tested a few times. You know, Black Lotus passes through four or five different owners, and by the time it's getting its sixth or seventh bend test, oops, it's got a crease. Oh, it must be a fake. Well, not quite. Yeah, it, it kind of ruins it. Now, I heard that the bend test came from uh, the fact that if you have – uh, a pasted together card, right? A rebacked card. A rebacked card, exactly. Uh, those two uh, sides are adhered with some sort of adhesive, mm-hmm. and bending it should, you know, kind of like prime apart or make it wrinkle on the inside. Right. It'll look like an old painting. Right. It's that the, the two different pieces have shifted in, rela- in relation to one another, and if it's one unified piece, it's not going to do that. Right. So that, that, is, that is one purpose of the bend test. The other thing is that the cardstock that some people use to fake their magic cards after printing them from scratch uh, rather than you know, using old stock and rehashing it somehow is that that old card, that cardstock that they're trying to mimic um, is not of the same quality sometimes and it will normally just crease right? because uh, it doesn't have that special sauce in it from you know, the, the card's makers. Now, there, there are other tests also. There's the water test, uh, which is that um, for a lot of um, older cards, um, and actually most magic cards can really take a beating when it comes to getting water on them. Uh, now this isn't, again, something that you don't want to do with an expensive card. This is sort of the paradox you're stuck in here, um, where you don't want to get water on it because it's <laughs> going to dilute the value, but then you do need to test it somehow. And the reason they do water tests on them is that you just drop a little bit of water on there and move it around and toward the edges there. And basically the idea is that the water will not seep into the card and make it wrinkle up or anything like that. Um, and that if it does, well, you've got another cardstock right. issue and probably a fake on your hands. And also the card, the water will separate multiple layers right, um, if right. you have a rebacked card again. Exactly. If the, if the top layer is some sort of thin layer that is pasted on, it should absorb the water much more quickly straight right. through that fiber. Um, I'm glad we're getting all the destructive ones out of the way because these are <laughs> right. these are these are ones that you got you got to be careful doing these. You know, like uh-huh. uh, water, as we all know, anybody who plays magic, uh, eventually in, in some sort, yeah, in some sort of like restaurant and has had the colossal <laughs> oh water accident right. knows that there's a reason people use sleeves for these cards. <laughs> yeah, knows that water will destroy magic cards, but a little bit of water should be okay. It shouldn't just immediately seep in and, and ruin the card. Right. So there's there's those tests through. And, and Apathy House, again, that's the, the place that actually has a bunch of these listed. 
you know, they, they go through a good deal of what those sorts of tests look like. Let's actually look at a couple of the other ways that we can do this without destroying your lovely new card. Well, you know, if, if it's a counterfeit, it gets destroyed, no big deal. But this one, uh, you know, and, and people listening can't really see it, but it is really, like, genuine looking. The magic card back looks about as genuine as a magic card back can look. Um, right. The The one things that I see here are, you know, just a slight, uh, the shift in this purple, you'll turn the magic card around and you'll see, you know, the Magic the Gathering logo, the five dots, and then you'll see that lighter brown uh, oval. On the edge of the oval, you'll see a purple. And, you know, uh, there's the slightly discolored purple on this one than on uh, sample invisibility that we have here, and on unlimited invisibility, same uh, print run. But that could happen in the printing. You know, the colors aren't consistent. Even between, I have two unlimited invisibilities, you can tell. Even between these two, the coloring is different. So coloring is something that, you know, gives rise to suspicion, but it isn't proof in and of itself. Right. right. And because a lot of the, the people that are faking these cards are actually faking pretty high-quality cards now. Uh, you use a pretty high-resolution printer on them, and you can really get some amazing detail in there. What we're going to do now is we have one test we haven't talked about. <clears throat> And that test is the UV light test. Well, we have our invisibilities, and we have our time twister. <clears throat> and um, my, my fruitcake elemental is overseeing this, right. this test. <laughs> so we're, we've got them all laid out here. And we're actually going to turn off the lights in the room, and then I'm going to use this little handheld black light that I've got. Um, and we're going to actually shine it on these cards here, and we'll be able to actually see the difference between them if there's actually a fake here. And actually, we should we should also note here that this is going to be a complete surprise to you and me together in this because I haven't seen it. I, I also haven't, haven't seen either. it. Uh, the, um, the black light in my uh, bedroom is broken right now. So. Right. Okay, so, that's not really there. Okay. Well, why don't you hit the lights and I'll hit the switch on the little black light here. Okay. We're in pitch darkness here. Okay. Here, you can see that uh, this Vesuvian doppelganger you have here luminesces pretty nicely under the black light. Right. The 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 fruitcake elemental, uh, incidentally, it's a foil card. So right. But the the edge of it actually luminesces pretty nicely yeah. too, because it's a silver bordered edge. But right. so we look at the and we look at the invisibilities, and you know actually, yeah, it's it's luminescing. It's luminescing fine. pretty nicely. Now let's turn these cards over and take a look at the backsides of them also. It looks like it's passing the UV test here. Yeah, you see the, the the purple circle on the back of the card luminesces a lot brighter um, than you would expect it to, I think. Um, I didn't really notice it until until this year. Now we're comparing these side by side, um, or one on top of the other between the two. You know, it looks actually pretty close. It looks it looks pretty close. I think that I personally, looking at this, I would have a hard time saying that this is a bona fide you know calling fake on this one. Right, um, and there's you know there's a little bit of awkwardness with the, you know the little twist to it, and I'm sure that if we were to get this graded by PSA, they would probably say, well, yeah, it's off center, and yeah, it has these these issues. It would be a relief, of course. And the front side of this actually looks like I mean it's pack fresh. It's really great, great condition for the front of the card. The back of it has a little bit of wear. you know slight play, a little bit of wear, but it's really um, I mean a great condition for for Time Twister. Now, of course, this is the the um, you know stepchild of the <laughs> of the Power Nine here, um, yeah. so it's it's not a not a mox or anything like that. Um, though I have seen moxes in the past where people have done the rip test on them, 
Um, <laughs> Mox Pro, I think, was particularly trashed. Oh. Um, but, you know, th- this is good to take a look at. Um, so it looks like we've, we've, to the best of our ability here, verified this short of a water test and a full bend test. Uh-huh. I did that incidentally. I did the full bend test uh, at home. Oh, with because card. yeah, okay. because I figured like you know this this is a valuable card. It did cost me money, but mm-hmm. um, I got a good deal on it. And if I will do it one more time here, so that you can see. Okay. There wow, the edges are almost touching, and wow, there it goes. And uh, it's coming right back into shape. There you yeah. go. So no okay. creases on the back or on the front. So, um, in fact, if I can get a couple pictures of this, uh, now these are not going to be the high-res photos that you'd want. Um, I do have a high-res photo that I can send. Well, part of it was actually, as you were bending, I was like, oh, I should get a picture of that. Oh, oh, all right. One more time? Three? Okay, hold on. Before you start bending it, let me actually get the camera up and running here. Get ready. Okay. Okay, so it ends up looking like this. Right. Right, it ends up looking uh, bent. Right, right. Probably a, a, a... very wide angle there. Right. But um, then you can just fix it a little bit, and then it goes back to yeah. being straight. Let's let's hit it under the black light one more time here so people can see the, those pictures. You just, you, you just want to get me in the dark. Ah, you're always in the dark, Jose. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that in for us, Jose. Well, appreciate, thank you for... Appreciate uh, the, the talk a little bit about these counterfeit cards. Thank you again for bringing those in, and uh, it's good to have the other unlimited cards to sh- you know, compare it to. Oh, yeah, I had to, had to bring those in. Yeah, interesting that you mentioned, um, uh, we were talking about the Ultraviolet. Uh, mm-hmm. People should keep in mind that the summer magic cards do not luminesce. Right. So th- right. those don't, are some don't. of the ones that are the most valuable. <laughs> so you just got to be careful. Yeah, don't use the UV test to test out that blue hurricane. Um, there's <laughs> probably a better way to look at that. The fact Um, that it's blue. Right. (laughs) So, Ricky, now that you've heard that segment, what were your thoughts on that? What's your experience with counterfeit cards? I have no idea, Sean. What do you mean? As a judge, most of the cards I deal with are in sleeves. Well, right, but you've got to take them out of the sleeves if you want to. Like, I can see that in the Legacy event, if I suspected a card, I would definitely take it out of the sleeve. Um, we don't do a whole lot of that when we're deck checking, but it's something to consider, I think, with you know legacy staples now getting into that. Well, people might make counterfeit range. I've no? not encountered a, a concern like that okay. thus far. All right. Well, I guess I'll just cut that part out then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when you when you asked me about this, you know, what test to use, I said I have no idea. Talk to a dealer. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the people you want to talk to. They deal with cards on a daily basis. Right, and it's their credibility at stake when a card is fake, too. Yeah, it's a, it's their livelihood. If mm-hmm. they buy a Black Lotus and it ends up being fake... They're out a lot of that's, money. That's tough, so... Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on now to... Uh, do you want to move on to li- listener's mailbag, or do you want to move on to um, tournaments coming up, or where, where to now? Let's hit the mailbag. You've got mail! Well, we have a lot of folks that send us questions, um, and some of you don't tell us your name. So we're going to point you out right now and say, give us your names. Uh, Specifically, the person who asked us whether Phage would make a good EDH general. Ooh, I I was actually talking about this a little while ago. I want to make a Phage deck. You do? Yes. All sorts of Platinum Angels and... Some way to give your opponent an abyssal persecutor, and yeah, so you need those two. I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you could try, I guess, would uh, 
with the the mythic from M10 that if you would lose the game and said you shuffle everything back in, oh no, that would just make you shuffle phage back in. But then you could draw it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yes, you could. Um, that sounds like yeah. a bad plan. I, I just want to. It's a challenge. It's a yeah. I, I it would be a challenge to make. I mean, mono black is a pretty good deck in general. Unless, you're but using, just to have that story to say, I won a game once with Phage. You know, using Phage as a general and winning with her. Well, see if you're gonna yeah, go that. Well, how did you do that? Yeah, if you're gonna go that way with it, I think you need to use Hack on Stronghold Scourge as your. That's a EDH good one general. too. Because I don't think there's really any way that you can even cast him. Yeah, you need a teammate to pull from eternity. Yeah. No, well, even that doesn't work though, because he's not in the exile zone; he's in the command zone. Oh, does wait? It's so pull doesn't work. Pull doesn't work. Does anything work? <laughs> no, nothing works. I, I was thinking, like in a mono black deck, you could use something in the old days, like uh, Death Wish or some other method of getting that card back in. But now you can't. Okay. There's nothing that draws something from the command zone into some other thing other than just playing it. So I think hack on is kind of that one general where you're just kind of stuck. stuck. Yeah. Well, so to answer the question, what we've been hinting at is that phage is a bad general. You it, lose it, it if you play her work. from the command zone. Yeah, yes. it's not from your hand. Right. You haven't cast her from your hand. Right. But it's not very good just, at all. Just use Kagemaro. Well, once, or once Cage Morrow, <laughs> as some people have pronounced it. But right. It is Kage Maro. Kage means shadow in Japanese. Ah, and then Maro so. means uh, full of himself, R&D designer. <laughs> oh, did I say that? I mean, it's one thing to have one card named after you. That's cute. Uh -huh. But then the whole cycle, really? Yeah, sure. A whole cycle. Tons okay. of Okay. Thank you, Mark Rosewater. I mean, you, you do a great <laughs> job on the game. Well, we had, we had another question, actually, come in uh, from somebody who wanted to ask us about mythics and how they're the making deck? no no the no no the, the the rarity of cards okay and how they're making tournament stables now in the mythic slot like what um name the, one oh or two <laughs> maybe <laughs> well let's start with one the, the, the bane's player that's not a tournament stable no what deck right now run in standard let's say what deck Runs Baneslayer Angel as a four of. I don't play standard. I'm a judge. What are you talking about? <laughs> you got to admit, for a while, four Baneslayers was kind of the norm if you didn't play Jund. I don't know about that. No? Not okay. in a format with Maelstrom, Pulse, and Terminate? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> so, for a but, five but somebody was writing to us. Uh, Sean is his name also, not me, it, but some okay. other Okay, so here, like, to go back to the mythic thing. Yeah. It, it wasn't that they were not going to print good cards. And I think even tournament staple like is similar, like a good cards. Okay. They weren't the the promise was that they wouldn't print utility cards mm, that okay. go into multiple decks. Like okay. The lands, you know, right, rare lands, right, right. dual lands would not be mythic. Okay. And a maelstrom pulse, I think the classic example. If you're a black green deck, you play Maelstrom Pulse because it's it's a great utility card that just kind of deals with anything. Right, right, right. So that would not be mythic. Baneslayer is really, really good and is you know one of the best five drops of all time, if not the best. Mm -hmm. But it's still a five drop. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's fine with me. I I personally don't have a huge problem with them printing mythics the way they do. I do think there there is a growing problem with the cost of cards. Oh, there is. There is. There's but, certainly but I think inflation. that has more to do with their printing. 
Mm. They're not printing enough. There's a scarcity issue sometimes. Once again, I've heard for Rise of the Eldrazi through my local store that they're they're not going to be able to order as much as they need in the first run. I've heard that too. And to me, that seems ridiculous. Right. They should be, wizards should be printing as much as they can. I, sell. I understand that you don't want to overprint because mm-hmm. you then you end up with warehouses, but not even being able to fulfill that first initial surge of demand seems like a mistake. Yeah, they need to find a happy medium between yeah. fifth edition print run and you know beta <laughs> and somewhere I, between I the would, two. Fallen Empire would be my example of the overprinted is yeah that's another I mean good you example. still find boxes of that I believe for like 40 or 50 dollars well I mean I already have my 200 him to Torah <laughs> so I don't need anything else okay well that's good that's good we had another no name person send us a question here though but these are emails how are there no names well they've got like their screen name attached to it which is basically a bunch of letters and a couple numbers but we're not going to refer to you as a bunch of letters and a couple numbers. We'll refer to you as your name. So sign your dang emails when you send them to judgecast at gmail.com. Hopefully uh, we'll be able to answer some more questions for you here. This person wants to know, if they have two Maelstrom Nexus in play, what happens when they play that first spell of the turn? That would be the Wooburg five-color enchantment, yes. That gives everything Cascade. Oh, it gives the, the first, first spell. spell. The first spell of Otherwise the turn. Otherwise you Cascade into more Cascade. And that would be ridiculous. It would be amazing. So what happens? I'm sorry. So there's two of them? Two Maelstrom Nexus in play. So you cast a spell. It's the first spell you cast. Mm-hmm. Why it's got two, cast, two instances of Cascade. How do we resolve that, though? One at a time. <laughs> okay, so you flip cards in the top until you get something you can play. You put and it on the you, stack. You play it. And then you yeah, shuffle all Cascade is a back. triggered ability right. when you cast a spell, so it triggers twice, and okay. you can technically put them in the order you desire. Now, this is something that I've seen a lot of players screw up on, though, when they're playing Jump, is they play... Cascading into Rampant Growth, yeah? Right. Cascading yeah. into Rampant Growth is a huge, huge mistake here. When you Cascade, you need to finish resolving the Cascade before you resolve the right. spell that you're cascading You into. cast the spell, you cast the Rampant Growth in the middle of the ability... Right, you put it on the stack. Cast, you but cast. you don't resolve it until you resolve the ability first, which means you put all of those cards on the bottom of your library. Right, so then they get shuffled in when you resolve Rampant So you growth. can Rampant Growth into one of the lands that you revealed, for example. Right. Okay, well that's good for people to know, and, and resolving multiple instances of Cascade, uh, it's not like Death Touch, where you know multiple instances of Death Touch is redundant, but multiple instances of Cascade is not. You do do it twice. Okay. We also got a shout-out from one of the better-known podcasts out there, Monday Night Magic. You weren't even going to let me make, like, a joke guess? Um, no, nah, never mind. Okay, no, here, here. Let's, let me just... <laughs> no, 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 let's go. No, 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 I'll, I'll cut this part out. Here. Well, Ricky, we got a shout-out from one of the better-known podcasts out there earlier this week. I don't even have one. But, like, once you put me on the spot, I've lost my spontaneity. Okay. So just leave the whole section in with oh, my non-joke. Bad. Tell us who shouted out. Monday Night... Well, I already said so. Monday Night Magic. So, yeah. But was it Tom? I think it was Tom. Yeah, it was Tom and um, maybe also Eric on there. Okay. Um, I know Eric's been a, been a fan. Well, I know and if, if Gavin was on there or Conley, they would also know the answer to this question pretty straightforwardly. I guess they weren't on that show um, for that time. 
But the question is about Gideon Jura, the brand new white planeswalker from Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, he turns into a creature. Mm-hmm. What a migraine. What a terrible, terrible idea for a planeswalker to turn into a creature. Look, this this is a slap in the face, Sean. <laughs> no, we're, we're laughing. It's a slap in the face to your, your, yeah. your combo that got taken we, we, apart. We're, we're laughing because I was talking earlier before the show about how the slap in the face is overused. Um, yes, it is. But I, I am kind of a little uh, disturbed or angry because, mm-hmm. as, you, as you alluded to, my experiment Kraj deck, my EDH deck, was all about turning planeswalkers into creatures and doing fun things with them. And then right. they changed the rules and it got boring. Right, but now and and now there's a planeswalker that becomes a creature on its own. I'm like, really? Come on. Yeah. And it's white, so I can't put it in Kraj. Right, and there's a huge list of rules things that goes along with Gideon Jura here. Um, we're really not going to go into the whole list of them. I think maybe that deserves maybe its own segment in the next episode of getting to know Gideon. But in the meantime, we'll answer the one question that Monday Night Magic posed, and that is, if you enchant him with something, like an enchant creature, while he's a creature, what happens at the end of your turn when he decides to not be a creature anymore? It would fall off. Right. It's a state-based action. Right. State-based action in the cleanup step. Enough. It would... It would because like any aura, the... Its continued life on the battlefield depends on whether it's enchanting a legal permanent or not. Sure. Or object. Right. You can enchant a player. If you have something with uh, the enchantment, uh, the creature enchantment fear on it, and it gains protection from black, fear falls right off. Well, that one people know, like protection. Mm -hmm. But something like, um, that says like enchant green creature, Mm -hmm. the worm weaver coil, I think. Right. And if you change the color of the creature... And it's no longer green. Mm-hmm. That's an illegal permanent right. for it. It's it the would same, fall off. The same principle that makes the Zendikons have to say um, this thing Ooh. is still a land. Because if they didn't point. say it's still a land, the enchantment would fall right off as soon as it got there. So that was one question we got. I believe it was from Eric over at Monday Night Magic. By the way, now that you mentioned Monday Night Magic, I, I was listening to, I think, episode 200. Congratulations to them. With the I, terrible sound quality on 200. Well, yeah, it was recorded live with right, multiple right. people calling in. Yeah. Um, but I did hear Conley mention, they were talking about uh, Pro-Am, Two-Headed Giant, and what celebrity you would want oh, to. Oh, let's not go there. Okay, fine. What, what was, what's so the your... first thing I wanted to say was that this has kind of already been done. At Pro Tours, they have Two-Headed Giant where some random player gets to play with an R&D member. Sure, sure. I recall um, it was either Honolulu or Austin mm-hmm. where Mike Turian won. Mm. His team won uh, because they drafted a bunch of uh, what is it, infectious horrors. Oh, yeah. When it attacks, each opponent loses two life. Infectious host, I think. Host, yeah. So when it attacks, they lose four life. Right. So he... You know, as the brilliant pro player he was and R&D member, he recognized, you know, the power level of that card going up in 2HG. Right, right. But then I also wanted to say that then they were talking about actual celebrities. Like, well, what, like, movie star would you want a two-headed giant with? Mm-hmm. And Conley Woods mentioned Mandy Moore. And as Sean knows, I love Mandy Moore. So well, I just wanted to throw out, throw my hat in the ring against Conley for that's right. rights and, to and, two-headed giant with Mandy Moore. And Mandy, if you're listening, Ricky is still single. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Come on, I had to do it. Okay. Okay. Now, the other uh, one other thing that came to mind here when you mentioned the pro-am thing uh, is that they use celebrities. They don't necessarily have to use like name celebrities from the top ranks of you know, the A-list. But my wife has so, actually played with some celebrities in Magic. Okay. She got to play in the giant game of Magic at Pro Tour San Diego. She got to play a swamp. She got to play the lightning bolt that killed Garuk Wildspeaker. And the folks that were playing in that, one side was R&D, and the other side were the writers for Robot Chicken. And so right. she got to... Minus Seth Green. Well, of course. Yeah, minus, minus Seth Green. But the, the, the most famous one. Sure. But this <laughs> is the other writers for Robot Chicken. Can you even name one of the other writers? Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. It's because I don't have cable. I don't have cable. <laughs> I, like, I have to rely on Netflix to get my Robot Chicken fix. I, or, I can't or the, either, or the but that's internet. because I don't watch yeah. Robot Chicken. Anyway, so she, my wife has played giant card magic with the Robot Chicken crew. That's another pro-am moment. Um, or I guess am-am moment, because my wife doesn't actually play magic. But <laughs> So, okay. We, go, we answered a couple questions here. Um, let's go on to our next one, though. This one comes from Chris, um, and he says that at a recent F&M, um, in his opponent's opening hand, his opponent said, oh my god, I've got my sideboard still in here. And before they actually had made any plays in the game. And the judge came over and said, well, here's how you fix it. Let's take your sideboard out and you know, get you back to your original deck here. Um, mm-hmm. This was game one of the match. Get you back to your original deck here and we'll force you to mulligan and continue. Because you called yourself over, you called the judge on yourself. Um, we're not going to, you know, it makes no sense to penalize you with a game loss for calling it on yourself. So let's go forward from here. Make you mulligan down to six cards. Continue. Yeah. So was that the right call? Yes. Yeah, and yes, this, this is one of my favorite downgrades, in fact. Mm-hmm. Because it so very clearly encourages players to call a judge yep. on themselves when they've noticed a mistake. Absolutely. Um, the downgrade means that you're not going to lose the game. Yeah, it's, it's a deck deckless mismatch because right. you're, you have failed to de- used to be called failure to decide board, mm-hmm. um, and it would be a game loss at competitive or professional. But because you've called it on yourself, and we realize you're probably not trying to take advantage of us by saying, "Hey, I screwed up," <laughs> right? And the game hasn't started yet, and there's this very simple fix of. Well, yeah, de-sideboard now. Go through the entire deck and de-sideboard. Right. And then essentially you mulligan. Well, and there's, it's not just that the game hasn't started yet. It's that you haven't made any plays yet. That's the, that's the distinguishing factor here. Um, and this has actually come up for me um, at Pro Tour San Diego, where I was uh, toward the end of day two uh, you know, of the main event, watching a game between Patrick Chapin and one of his opponents. And you know, they shuffle up, for, sit down for the match, shuffle up, Patrick Chapin draws his hand and plays the top card out of it, thinking, okay, you know, riffles through it real quick, plays the top card out of it for his first turn, the Hellamar Depths. And as he's, you know, as he looks at the top three cards, puts them back, picks his hand up again and says, Judge! You know, because he had one of the sideboard cards in his hand. Well, he's already... In his hand or in his saw hand. off of the Hellamar Depths? He had it in his hand. Uh, now... You know, he didn't make the connection fast enough. It, you know, he'd been toward the end of a long day for him and probably just screwed up there. Um, but because he had made a play, mm-hmm. um, the ruling was, sorry, you've lost the game here. Um, this is a game loss for a deck deckless mismatch. Shuffle up for game two. 
Now, if memory serves, he did pull that match out, but uh, that is, you know, that's the line there. If you make a play, you, you, you've got the hand, and, you know, if there's a deck deckless mismatch in there, well, you're stuck with it. That's going to be a game loss. Like okay. I said, I, it's, one of the, it's one of my favorites. Okay. Well, we have two questions from a listener in Idaho. Goes by the name of Joe or Joseph. And he wants to know if I have snow covered lands in a deck where they're not legal in the format, say he had snow covered islands in his blue standard deck, mm-hmm. is that legal? And does it make a difference if they're legal for the format or not? So if instead he had them in his extended deck, but had them not listed on his deck list or listed as islands on his deck list, would that make a difference? Okay, he's got snow-covered lands. First off, if yeah. they're not legal in the format, then they're not legal in the format. Right. Like so you've got an standard. illegal deck list in that case. Yeah. So, you know, with this case here, we'd tell him replace them with islands, and would he get a game loss for it? Yeah, I mean, baseline is a game loss, but I'd have to check and see if there's a provision for downgrading. Because I know there's a provision for downgrading. Putting the wrong basic land. Yeah. Well, technically, it's the wrong basic land. I suppose so. Snow-covered land is a basic land. And I, I can see this being downgradable. Okay, I can see that too. And then in extended... So what, what we're talking about is like if if you are playing a uh, white weenie deck, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason you put 20 swamps in there... Sure. Um, or you write 20 swamps on your deck list, yeah. and you're playing 20 planes. We're, we're going to let you play with planes, and most right. likely... It, it, I think it will depend on the interpretation of the judge, but I would downgrade that. Uh, yeah, there's actually a specific a, provision in yeah, the IPG. fairly obvious clerical error. Well, but the only downgrade for a deck deckless mismatch in the IPG is for the basic land screw-up. Right. If you screw up and say a Johnny Vengeant instead of a Johnny Goldmane, that's a deck deckless mismatch, but you're not getting a downgrade there. Even though that error is also clerical, um, that's not getting downgraded. You're still getting a game loss for that screw up. Yeah. Okay. And then in the extended environment where you do have snow covered lands that are legal and you put them in the deck, but you don't put them on the list or vice versa, that actually matters quite a bit. When yeah, you have cards like gifts ungiven in the format. That or can the new be- gifts, the land gifts. Oh, the land gifts. Yes. Yes. Now people have been telling, what is it called? Uncharted realms? Or yes. Something like that. And people have been like, oh my god, like, she's so hot. No. No, right? Yeah, you agree with me. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm not saying it's an ugly human or elf or whatever, but... Yeah, it's just not not the hotness that, you know. And the other thing I heard people say was, oh, like, clearly they know they're marketing to, you know, young males, like, with this art. The art is actually as if as if that's a change. Like the original Sarah Angel art, yeah. was quite busty. Right, right, absolutely. So I, I'm just like, a not that hot. B, this has been going on since the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, think go back to Ice Age, and I think the card was what Essence Vortex or something. Where it's that's Weird. obscene. You know, that's that's Essence Vortex. Uh, destroy target creature unless its life pit controller pays life equal to its toughness. And it can be regenerated. Mar- Margaret Organ Keen, artist. Well, also the sure. artist for the famous Tarpan of IRC fame. I don't know what... Tarpan is this horse. Right. And I guess it's like a 
Finnish horse because Johanna Virtanen is a big fan. Okay. And so there's like this legacy of the tarpan. There's a legend on IRC. Uh, David de la Iglesia from Spain, I guess, lost an EDH deck. or No, he didn't lose an EDH match, but he said he had to use a removal spell on Tarpan because <laughs> it was dealing too much damage to him. Nice. And now now he's he's got uh, Tarpanophobia or something like that. Tarpanophobia. Yeah. So if uh, next time you see him, carry around a Tarpan in your pocket and see what happens when you wave it at him. Nice. I'll bet he will cower in fear. Okay, that's that is good to all to our Spanish listeners. If you encounter this judge at your tournaments, use the tarpan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Okay. Well, we also have another question from Joe in Idaho. Um, Lots of questions from Idaho. Uh, just two questions here: okay. one on the snow-covered lands, and the one on discarding when he shouldn't. So, say somebody has uh, a thirst for knowledge, and they they draw their three cards, and they discard three cards. Oh, yeah. They instead of two. Instead of two. I thought we were going the other way. No, okay. no, no. Let's say they discarded three cards instead of two. What happens to that extra card? Just goes back to their hand because they screwed up and it's game rule violation for them? Uh, if you catch it early enough, sure. Okay. and then, I mean, that's a game rule violation. They sure. should not have been allowed to discard. Because sometimes it's an advantage to discard mm-hmm. cards. Uh, dredge decks, for example. Right, right. Um, so we don't want to just say... You know, based on the advantage gained or whatever. Right, right. Basically, you, you always you want to do the same thing regardless of whether it's a benefit or not. Right. And so in this case, the game rule was violated. You discarded a card you weren't supposed to be able to. Mm-hmm. So if if it's if it's soon enough, I would just say, yeah, pick up one of those cards, please. Sure thing. And that's similar to um, you know, you want to be able to back up the game state to fix this because it's a game rule violation or anonymous trigger. Uh, you'd have to back up the game state to get to where you actually discarded the card incorrectly. Um, so if you can't back up the game state or it's too complex to do that, then, well, it's stuck where it is. How do you discard three? I don't know. I'm just wondering. Well, that's just, I wonder how, how players make these kinds of mistakes. Like, Is it because they were thinking for a long time and forgot they had already picked one? Yeah, something like that's my guess. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, we have uh, going to move on to our next question here from Josh. Josh asks whether he can play an instant in response to his opponent playing a land. His specific question here is, my opponent has step links and has just played a land, and I want Rawr. to burst lightning I mean, the step yeah. links. Right, the links is a kitty, yes. I want to burst lightning the step links before it gets the bonus and it gets out of burst lightning range. Mm-hmm. So he wants to respond to his opponent playing a land, though. So we hear this a talk. lot. Yeah. People want to respond to the land. Uh, right. You can't. Right. Playing a land does not use the stack. Now. And that's like the judge answer. Right. <laughs> However, if you ask the correct question, right. you can get a different answer, and, which is that the landfall is a triggered ability. And that, that does goes use on the stack. stack. Right. You can respond to that. Right. So if your opponent does play his land, then you're completely within your rights to go after it and say, well, I'll respond to the trigger trigger and put this burst lightning on the stack targeting your step links. And your kitty just got, you know, dead. Mm -hmm. Now, and he asked the the strategic question. Right. Of should I have just killed it on my turn? Mm -hmm. 100% yes. And the reason behind this is fetch lands. That's one reason. But yeah, fetch land, if they play a fetch land, 
then the trigger goes on the stack, the landfall trigger. Sure. If you respond to that... By playing the burst lightning on the step links again. Then they'll sack their fetch land in response to your burst lightning and then get their basic. Right. And another trigger goes on the stack and it will be a 2-3. And then the burst lightning will resolve. And then the last one will resolve. So you'll end up with a 4-5 step links with 2 damage on it. And yeah, basically that's not a good and, situation. And, you know, the fetch lands are rare, so you're like, well, well, you won't encounter that unlimited. But this format has a lot of, you know, you've got vines of the vastwood, mm-hmm. you've got uh, brave the elements if it's step links, if it's white. Yeah. So, I there's really no value in waiting and trying to get them. Right. Because there aren't very many um, creature enchantments of value that you can try to two for one them on. You know, so. Right. That's, that was kind of the classic reason to wait with your removal, mm-hmm. to see if they do something and you can two for one of them. Sure, well, sure. you take a risk when you do that. And in this format, I think the risk is higher. Okay, I agree with that. Now we have another question from Josh. Uh, this is, again, about lands and fetch lands. Is that his opponent activates his fetch land, uh-huh. and he wants to respond with tectonic edge to kill the fetch land so he doesn't get anything. No. No. Not at all. Why not, Sean? Well, because sacrificing the fetch land is part of paying the cost to play the ability, to activate the ability. Just like you cannot uh, shock a birds of paradise when they try to play a spell and say, oh, you don't get that mana anymore. No, you've already activated the ability and paid the cost. Absolutely. So the fetch land, by the time you have your opportunity to to play your tectonic edges ability, the fetch land is already in the graveyard. It's already been sacrificed. Its ability is already on the stack. You're too late. And there's no way that you're going to be not too late. Uh, questions now from Peter. And he's got three questions for us. Is it, is it Pete Yon? No, 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 no. Not okay. Pete Yon. Pete Yon knows the answers to these questions. Peter asks, can Death Touch kill a Planeswalker? Only if it's Gideon. <laughs> oh god that's right okay so a blocking creature with death touch could kill Gideon you're right but what he's asking is does death touch if I if you're damaging a planeswalker that's not a creature does death touch somehow no destroy the no not at it all doesn't. does not destroy the planeswalker Okay, well, that's a pretty straightforward question. It's an interesting question, mm-hmm. just from the standpoint of what the what the ability word makes you think. Right. Death touch. I touch this thing, it dies. Well, not really. Okay. But but planeswalkers, I mean, the, they say that you are a planeswalker when you play this game. So mm-hmm. a death touch creature getting through and damaging you doesn't kill you, so... It's not going to kill Jace. Right. Okay. Well, here's Peter's second question. For Ethosworn Canonists, which states that each player has played a non-artifact spell, can't play another spell in the same turn, I always get confused about the wording of the word played. For example, if player A casts a non-artifact spell and player B casts a counterspell, mm-hmm. have both players now effectively expended their one non-artifact spell per turn? Or... Since player A's non-artifact spell was countered, only being cast and not coming into play and resolving, can he play an additional non-artifact spell this turn? I thought changing it to cast was supposed to solve this problem. Yeah, no, it didn't. Um, And yeah, no, you can't. Um, Peter, I'm sorry, you played your one spell for the turn. 
and it got countered. And they used to they used to have a term yeah. successfully cast, Ugh. which which was a timing mess, and that's a good yeah. thing they got rid of it. Absolutely, it's a ridiculous timing mess. Well, yeah, but to, to cast something means to pay all costs and put it on the stack, etc. Right. Once once you do that, it, you've cast it, and whatever happens to it after that, fates. Maybe we don't care from a cast standpoint. I mean, countered, resolved, vencer, back to your hand. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's already been cast. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, we also have, uh, actually, I I was mistaken. We don't just have three questions from Peter. We have five. Five questions from Peter. Really? A bunch, like four or five, yeah. So Peter also wants to know, uh, with this new Emma Crowley Aeon's Torn, that's the giant fifteen fifteen Eldrazi from the new mm, Rise of the Eldrazi. You mean Sheldon? Yes, yes. It's the the Sheldon card. The I, um, I don't. I haven't really looked at them to figure it out, but the fact that there are three Eldrazi, and then there until San Diego there were three L fives. Mm, I think I don't think that's a coincidence. I I can see that. I can see that. And. You know, we asked David, well, what happened to your cards? Well, the promotion didn't happen soon enough for them to design it and put it in the set. Okay. So, so we think maybe there's a fourth Eldrazi in Scars of Mirrodin. That would be pretty after, awkward. After David. That would be pretty awkward, but all, interesting. So this one has, the Emma Cruel of the Aeons Torn, has protection from colored spells. Sounds like Sheldon right there, so mm-hmm. okay. I think this analogy holds. Well, what does it mean exactly? Because Peter here wants yeah, to know, <laughs> can I use a Planeswalker's ability to, like the new Sarkhan the Mad or Sarkhan the Vol, to gain control of that Eldrazi? Well, it's not a spell. Right. It's an activated ability. So activated ability is on a Planeswalker. Those activated abilities there are not the same as casting spells. Flavor-wise, it's like he's casting the spell, but... In terms of the rules of the game, it's not. He's activating an ability. I mean, yeah, this guy has protection from instants and sorceries, effectively. Well, except for... Except for? The new colorless instant. Uh, okay, well, there's now, a colorless now you're just, instant. Look, I it doesn't people. target a creature, so it should be fine. But that's probably an Eldrazi spell, right? It is. So that's why right. he can mm-hmm. kill himself with his own spell. No, he can't even kill himself. This one protects a big creature for free or something like that. Well, I'm sure we'll have some kind of Eldrazi kill spell. I think the Eldrazi are the kill spells. That's true. Annihilator is what does it. Yeah, so who? which one has the highest Annihilator? Um, well, I think Emacryl does. Oh, wait, but you know what? There is a spell that targets that's also an Eldrazi and a colorless spell. Dun-dun-dun. That is uh, Eldrazi Conscription, or Conscription of the Eldrazi, where it's an enchant creature that turns the creature into an Eldrazi and gives it plus 10, plus 10, and an Annihilator, okay. some stupid number. So when you cast that, that is a colorless spell. Right, so it's something that can target. Uh-huh. So that's a good thing to remind people about. Auras are spells when you cast them. And they have to have so a target on the stack. You right. can't pacifism on this guy or whatever. Right. Can't pacifism him. No totem armoring him up. Yeah, if you want to stop him, uh, Big Game Hunter, I hear, is a pretty good way to do it. Since he's a creature, right? And even though it's a triggered ability when it comes into play, it's the creature having the ability and the 
ability that matters, that it's not a spell. Okay, well, those are most of Peter's questions, but wait, there's more. Peter wants to know about his judge at his local FNM. Where is he from again? He doesn't, he doesn't say so. No, Peter no, doesn't no, no. say where he's from. Now, Peter doesn't say where he's from. Um, but is he going to complain about his judge? Well, he's just not really sure how it works. It sounds like his FNMs are run at sort of at an REL casual. They're kind of. That's all FNMs, Sean. No, they're REL regular. Yeah, but. Okay, well, that, fair enough. Regular but, is casual. How many game losses have you given out at FNM? Mm, I can count them maybe on one hand. I could count them maybe on one zero. Okay. Well, yeah. So not not it's not a common thing. Yeah. Um, now, however, we we do have rules that we need to abide by, and and that's what F and M is supposed to introduce players to. That's where they first learn how to play the game in a more organized and structured environment. So Peter here is talking basically about how his judge at his tournament isn't really the judge in the sense that he doesn't know if he's certified. He's just kind of the person that they refer to for rulings, um, but in a very casual sense, like, oh, yeah, that's how that works. Or, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You know, fix it this way. It's not the same as saying, well, you get a warning for this, and we're going to mark it down here and keep track of it. None of that stuff. Um, and that's fine. I mean, if his local organizer and his F&M, and they, they want to run it that way, you know, that's that should be just fine. The question True. really becomes that if you want something more official, well, then go ask, well, who's the real judge here? Who are you reporting as the judge? And we'll use that person as the reference for all the rules. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure that you have that, that reference there. And actually, I did find Peter uh, said where he was from. He's from Montreal. And he's going to be at the Grand Prix in D.C. Are you going to be there? Me? Yes. No. Are you? No. Okay, then. But he always he says he's always wanted to meet a celebrity, so hopefully there'll be a celebrity there. I thought that was Atlanta. Oh, no. There, there's another player that asked us about Atlanta, okay. and you will be there. Yes. I will not. This is a Star City Games uh, Open in mm -hmm. Atlanta at the beginning of May. So, But in terms of celebrities, like... There's plenty of players that'll celebrity players that'll <laughs> right. be there. Right. Uh, if you want to meet a celebrity judge, uh, I don't know who's on staff actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that uh, Ingrid, the head judge there? Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, she's a celebrity to us. She's an awesome celebrity. Well, okay, but if you want to meet somebody who's writing, maybe Peter will be there too. And that's, Most that's, likely. That's, yes. that's Pete Young yeah. from Star City. Right. Nicholas Saban should be there. There you go. The People Justice you're familiar League. with. And a Max Nolan has been... Uh, He's been all over the place. Maybe he'll be there too. Who knows? I don't know. Okay. Well, let's. that's it for the mailbag in terms of questions and rules. Wow. Well, now we get to go into oh boy. the contest that we, we had last, last week. Okay. Where Toby decided on which question we were going to ask. We, we asked the players. movie casting. That was the sub-question okay. that nobody good, answered. Good, good, good. <laughs> question that we're not giving anybody any prizes for answering. We're not trying to encourage that at all. Um, there, I saw, there wasn't there a reply and someone said you should be Robert Downey Jr.? Yes. Uh, yeah. that was, so you are Iron Man. I, I guess. I, but you don't drink and you don't have an armored suit. And I'm not nearly. You're not rich. <laughs> rich. Um, 
And though I, I do have a very nice redhead love interest. So there you okay. go. That, that, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, well, let's go over some of the contest entries that we had. Now, to remind people what the contest was, because it was not the movie thing. Mm-hmm. It was, tell us about the most terrible butchering of the rules that you've ever seen Ooh. or been a part of. Yikes. So we've got some really good stories here. I'm going to read a few of them here, and Ricky, you're going to tell me who wins. Okay. Because these are your packs we're giving away here, right? Just make sure to like send me the address. So I can oh, yeah. ship it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll make sure this gets shipped get, out. Get me all the information. Okay. This one comes from Doug. I was playing in a draft with a new player who had pretty much just learned magic the night before. He was doing his thing, playing creatures and lands. I was trying to give him some pointers about like when to play instants or optional attacks and blocks. At one point, I noticed he kept tapping his lands right before his attack step. I asked him why. He said that he was tapping so he could attack with the creature, otherwise he wouldn't do any damage. Apparently, he thought that you had to cast the creature every time you wanted to attack with it. So I quickly explained how attacking worked and everything ironed out. Always enjoy playing with new players, even if they don't know the ropes. Just have pure enjoyment of the game. So tapping lands, so I have to cast my Sir Angel to attack with it again, so I'll pay my five mana. You would run out of things... No wonder he had seven cards in his hand the whole time. Or no wonder he had, yeah, that's it's a pretty pretty rough. That's a new one for me. Right, right. Paying for creatures to let them attack. Yeah. And I always like like I say, I always wonder where people get these misconceptions and could it be from another game? I don't know. Mm. Do you think there's a game out there? Um no, not that I can think of, but then again I'm pretty much confined to magic aside from the normal sorts of gamer game things. Okay. Well, that's, that's an interesting. That's a good one. Okay. Okay. Next, Robert. Robert says, "Oh, and this is um, ah, okay. So Robert uh, is the guy that used to be going going by the name Rob Stombie. So he just calls himself Robert now. So let's see. I was three one or no pared down going to round five. Three one. Okay. Okay. My opponent in the fifth round was complaining about land flood in game one." And on my third turn, he picked up his deck and said he was going to mulligan so he could shuffle his library. Wait, what? <laughs> Let me read that again so you get the full impact of this. And on my third turn, he picked up his deck and said he was going to mulligan so he could shuffle his library. But he'd wait for his turn because that's the rule. You can only mulligan when it's your turn. <laughs> He was stunned when I explained you can only mulligan before gameplay starts, mulligans are declared simultaneously, and that there's no free shuffle option. He stared at me like I had a third eye, and confirmed my interpretation with the judge that was hovering over my table all night, because he thought the judge thought that the polymorph I owned was just a stupid combo. This opponent was playing mono-black vampires, didn't quite understand the impact of polymorphing the token into Iona and naming black in game one. Um... He even attempted to kill the polymorph target in response to my announcing the spell. But I think his Robert's entry here is um, Mulligan, m- Mulligan in game. third turn. I'm going to pick up my deck here, find some lands, Mulligan, shuffle. That's another one I've never That's, heard of. I've never heard of that. I've yes. heard of the similar, once your hand is empty, you redraw seven. I've heard of that, yeah. And I, I believe that is from some other game. I don't know which one. 
I don't know that either. Yeah, but no, that, I'm, I'm familiar with that that uh, yeah. misconception. Absolutely. Okay. Which, which made Wild Mongrel like an auto kill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And of course, Rob wants us to know that he, he warm fuzzies all around. He doesn't mean to be a jerk to this guy or calling him out or anything. Of course. And when we ask for these, no, sorts of things, I, this is. I mean, this is something where we want to educate people. Right. Okay. Well. We have Jennifer um, from California here. Um, she's a rules advisor. I think I've even seen her on the rules advisor list that we have here in California. Okay. Um, she has an entry for us here. Um, a small college campus club was running an M10 draft. Uh, T.O. asked, does everyone here know how to draft? Nobody said anything. They so, never do. Right. And they don't. <laughs> okay, pick up your packs <laughs> and begin. So... A player in the middle of the pod proceeds to open his pack, he sifts through his cards, and then he starts showing other players all his cards and saying, what do I pick? No, 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 no. (laughs) He also revealed the rare in his pack and said, how much is this one worth? So even disregarding the IPG, the player was clearly being disruptive. Um, Of course, he's not doing it intentionally because he he has no idea how bad this is. Um, So... Didn't kick him out. Let him continue. It's it's just sort of a weird weird thing to deal with as a judge, also because this is completely you know hidden information violation. You're definitely draft procedure violation all over the place, but in kind of a really bad way. Amazingly, I have never seen this either. Really, no, okay. nothing to this extent. It's like taking the draft and saying, you know, let's Winchester this one. <laughs> you know. Winston, I mean, yeah. in F and M drafts, you you get over enthusiastic. I mean, let's Rochester Winchester. There's no Winchester draft. Rochester draft. That's I think what there's I was a thinking. Winchester. There's okay. a there's a Winston draft. Winston and yeah, Rochester. Let's so Rochester. You mixed this. them up. I, Winston I, yes, Rochester. I, 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 they had a baby. Oh, no. <laughs> I was saying at F and M, you get over enthusiastic people who you know if they open a Nighthawk, mm-hmm. they might be like, oh sweet, a Nighthawk, right. Which is more possible. I've been looking for a foil sarcan all the time. Yeah. yeah. That's, no, those are no-nos. But nothing quite like, hey, guys, like... What, should, what should I do here? No, that's... Yeah. Never never had that. Okay, happen. well, I mean, one of the key things is if you have a lot of new players, it's better to do sealed. This is something that's been passed along. I think Toby mentioned it last time. Because mm-hmm. that way you can kind of sit there and say, hey, well, you know... Let me help you. <laughs> Let me help you understand the magic. Right, right. Okay, well, that's, that's a good, good entry from Jennifer. Okay. Let's move next. on to our next one here. Um, this is from Addison in Boone, North Carolina. Now keep in mind, you're going to be shipping these packs, so... <laughs> no. I think I might, I might know Addison. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let's see if this question... Well, I, I was in... I was in Charlotte last year for the Star City event there. Oh, okay. I think there was an Addison. Here's, here's Addison's entry. Okay. A guy had a Howltooth Hollow in play and a Wheel of Fate suspended down to one last counter. All right, so Howltooth Hollow is the land, the black version of the cycle. Right. Where if you meet a certain condition, you can cast the spell under it. That's right. the hideaway. Right, the hideaway black uh, land. And the condition is when everyone's hands are empty. All right. players. Right. It's the best card. Almost in, impossible. The best card in no format ever. <laughs> um, so during his... Uh, he, pretty good in uh, 
DC 10 or whatever, right? Because you start with no hand. I've never played DC 10. I have no idea what you're talking about. Is this it's a, the it, free magic. Oh, but then well, I yeah, guess free, but you don't you're casting for free anyway. Okay. No, no, no. God, so, I'm dumb. <laughs> that's why you're answering these questions. You get uh, to pick the one. I'm not answering. I'm just you picking. You pick them. Okay. So the guy has Hell to Hell in play. Right. Wheel of Fate with one counter on it. Wheel of Fate is the suspend Wheel of Fortune. Correct. Okay. So during his upkeep, Wheel of Fate resolves, and each player discards their hands. Right. Before they draw, he wants to activate his Helltooth Hollow to put Phage the Untouchable into play. <laughs> Phage? Who he claims OMG. will have haste because it would have come in off of Suspend. Wait, what? <laughs> That's so... Okay. Helltooth Hollow, Wheel doesn't of Fate. Suspend. It's Wheel of Fate, away. they go through half of the resolution of this, and then he decides, oh, wait, 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 you don't have any hands. Great. Helltooth Hollow, Phage! Now she has haste because she was suspended. And then, yeah. And then they draw for <laughs> Wheel of Fate? <laughs> and so this is the, the judge comes over after he decides, yes, Phage has haste. Um, this is, I mean, they haven't, clearly all this happened all at once, and the players are just kind of all dumbfounded around the table with this one. So that's right. This is where you insert the animation of a mushroom cloud above your head. Is right. If you answer this judge call like, <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I don't really know what the root where, cause is. Where do you start? <laughs> and there's no root cause. Like we would normally say there's a single root cause for all this. And, you know, we all will just back everything up to that root cause and we'll fix that one problem. But here you have three different misunderstandings of how different rules and cards yeah. work. I mean, granted, a bunch of this is illegal, so you'll just be like, okay, well, you can't do that. Oh, well, you can't do that either. But it's still kind of ridiculous. Okay. And as you leave the table, if it's just Friday Night Magic or something, you might want to like whisper to them, Psst, don't cast a phage off the hollow. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and like sneak away. Okay, that, but that three like three different misunderstandings, just mm -hmm. bam, bam, bam. Right, right. Yeah, you can't okay. cast spells in the middle, or you can't activate the hollow in the middle of the resolution of the spell. Uh, phage off of hollow, bad idea. Right, and it's phage not, is not suspended. suspended. Yes. Okay, so that's a good don't one. suspend phage either. Bad idea. Yeah, no, bad, bad. Joyra phage, no good. Right. Unless you can also get your opponent to somehow cast the spell that makes the creatures come into play under their control. Gather specimens. Yes, gather specimens. If you can force if you can mind slaver your opponent and gather specimens. And then Oh wait, no, but you're mind slavering them on your own. You can time bug it or something to unsuspend on their turn. Oh, I guess so. Oh, that would be interesting. Okay. Alright, so let's make that deck. Yeah. <laughs> I made my opponent cast my phage. Right. Deck. <laughs> put, 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 put time bug in your phage, you know, EDH deck, and then then we'll talk. <laughs> okay. So our next question here, our next entry rather, is uh -huh. from Zach. Zach is from Jacksonville. Wait, Florida. wait. Okay, so that one was just a big mess. I gotta <laughs> write these out. Okay, big Jack. Mess. Zach. Zach from Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay. All right. My rules butchering came from my local shop, which runs unsanctioned drafts on the weekend. It was when, when 10th edition had just come out, and my opponent and I were playing right after our draft. Second or third turn, all of a sudden, my opponent drops a goblin and a zombie out of his hand for no mana. 
I kind of do a double take and realize mm-hmm. he's put creature tokens in his sleeves and is attempting to play them for no mana. Ooh. So I didn't want to be a jerk, but I couldn't comprehend how you thought you could use these tokens as cards. Still a bit in shock. I muttered something along the lines of, well, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> to, my, to which my opponent embarrassingly snatches them up. Then I come to my senses and explain that not only could you not put those in the deck because they don't even have the same back and magic card, and that this is why we said you can pull them out and keep the ones you open, but additionally... Even if you could put them in your deck, you couldn't even cast them because they don't have a mana cost. Yeah. I don't even remember how we went about solving this, but I think my opponent was playing more than 40 cards anyway, so we just took them out um, and had him draw those two cards to replace it. So uh, this is actually something I have seen happen. Oh, See, I was gonna, I was gonna just repeat my. I've never seen this happen. No, I have seen this happen with new players taking tokens and putting them in their decks and thinking, "Oh, this is just a free creature. That's so awesome!" Wow. So, what's the best token? Well, it's probably like the the seven seven that all the elves make. The color of the there's well, there's the eight eight Godsire. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. The Godsire tokens. Merlay's so, the promo token. <laughs> there you go. That's probably the best one. What do you do if you draft? The vampire, the star star. I don't know. I don't know what that would be if you just played it for nothing. That's a although you know that's a pretty rare token to have. Right. It's a mythic that makes it, so they don't make many of the tokens either. Well, the the place where I've seen this also is that you know nowadays you have the ads on the back of the magic token cards that Mm -hmm. come in the packs, and that pretty strictly defines it as a this is not a magic card. This right. is a this is a thing to help you. Oh, play the game, I know where you're going. That set, eh? Oh, yeah. Um, but we hate that set. We hate that set. The the elves versus goblins. That's what it was. Yeah, there are um, there exist tokens in that set. The elf tokens and the thorn elemental token thing. They all have the normal magic back to them. Yeah, terrible. So they get shuffled in with normal decks all the time. If you're not playing with sleeves. And they look like normal magic cards. Now, they've since changed this with every token they've made, and hopefully they'll stick with that. <laughs> but, I hope so. But the the magic, you know, they have the magic back to them, and they're all the elf tokens from the elves versus goblins, and I think the goblin tokens in that deck also. It, it's hard to enforce policy when right. you have something like that that technically it's got a magic back. Right, and it's got a black border. And yeah. it's, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's terrible. Um, so... I've seen that happen. but So that's Zach's entry there. And we have one final entry here. Tokens in deck. Now, I'm, I'm not reading every single entry because there's some that are clearly misunderstood the question that Toby posed. Um, we're just going to ignore those, and I'm sorry if you don't hear your name here. Um, this is from Jean-Francois Denal, and I hopefully got your name correct. So you're saying he's German? Uh, actually, I totally got his name wrong. Jean-Francois. Oh, he's French. Right, he's French. Okay. So, or JF, as he signs his name. That's easier. Right. Okay, JF says... The worst rules mangling he's seen uh, was when he was playing an Ice Age block tournament. My opponent cast Incinerate on a creature. He left Incinerate on the field. I didn't think much of it at first, but at my next turn, he tried to Incinerate another creature. Again, with the same incinerate. <laughs> the same card. <laughs> he thought instance stayed on the field and instantly reactivated every single turn. 
once per turn. That's apparently yeah, yeah. It's like a recurring sort of spell. I've I've played the spell. It's and I think I understand where this misunderstanding comes from. It's because yeah, yeah. explain, Sean. People are associating this with D and D sometimes, where when their character learns a spell, oh. they can use that spell more easily. So when they when they pay the mana to play the spell, it's in their spell book, right? And it's just out on the field. Like I get to do this, and then oh, I've got a dark ritual, so I get more black mana, and oh, I've got you know, and I can do all these each turn. You know, it's kind of like uh, panoptic mirror is always out there. You know, it's it's like that. That's the it's like they're learning these spells as as they're paying for them. I think that's that's what it feels like to that player when they're just starting out. So I think that's where the misconception comes from. So we've got those entries here. What do you think? Uh, do you have a winner? I I kind of like the the mulligan in the middle of the game. That's mm-hmm. an interesting one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Tapping the mana to attack each turn was, was another good one. But I, you know, I have to go with this last one. Which last one here? Uh, JF. Really? And the reason is. Not only is it, again, I've, I've never seen someone have this misconception, <laughs> but it's kind of prophetic. And that's why I like it here, because it's, it's rebound. Oh, my the God. The new mechanic, it right? That's the, the mechanic first thing I thought of. Eldrazi, you're right. Um, we don't know the, the details quite yet, but it's when you cast it from your hand, mm-hmm. You like put it, you exile it or something, and then right. you cast it next turn. It's like it gets suspend and one time counter on it, basically. Yeah. And then when it comes back, when you cast it the second time, you didn't cast it from your hand, so it doesn't rebound again. It just goes right back to your graveyard. Yeah. Right. So it's like you get two of them, one this turn and one next turn. Right. Okay. okay. Well, JF, um, you are our winner this week. For, for one, an interesting one that I had never heard of, because mm-hmm. apparently I just don't get out there and see these <laughs> things. But also because it was very well timed, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good and so, uh, the other ones might have been more interesting, but I- I'm a fan of these little kind of ooh, that's just the perfect thing. Absolutely. So Jean Francois, you will. So you're saying now Francois? I have to ship packs to France, or maybe he's in Quebec. Who knows? Okay. Actually, you know what? He has a Canadian email address. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully it's just to Canada. <laughs> So now is the part of the show where we get to choose a new contest question. Okay. So we're going to get another winner for the show, but this is going to be now somebody who is um, already posing a question for us to ask you. So let's review those questions um, in silence here. I'll give you some more waiting music, and then we'll come back with the new contest question for next week. Well, Ricky, we reviewed the questions, and you like this one from the editor-in-chief of Quiet Speculation, Kelly Reed. No, he's not. Is he? Yeah, he's, he's over at Quiet Speculation. Yeah. But Lauren Lee is the new editor. Well, when he sent us this, he was the editor. So he's, he's still the propi- proprietor. Right. He's got a game store now. Yes. You open a game store in Indiana. Right, and I know quite speculation has a lot of interesting things going on soon uh, here. But. I think it was called the Dragon's Den, maybe? Mm, I don't remember. Don't want to give him a plug for a story we can't name exactly, but 
Kelly's store, yay. (laughs) (laughs) But really here. um, I tried Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're getting him a draft set now, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's, here's the question that Kelly won with, and this is the question for you to answer. You can send your answers to judgecast at gmail.com. And or on Facebook. Or send it to us on Facebook. That's right. Judgecast there on Facebook. Um, the question is, have you ever called a judge in a situation where it would not benefit you or actively hurt you? For example, uh, an opponent has a swamp on the top of his deck with Vampire Nocturnus in play and reveals the second to top card by mistake. I called the judge. He shuffled the library flipping a black card and smashing me for a lot of extra damage because of that. So a situation where you've called a judge and it has actively hurt you. Yeah, I like this one because it's something we always encourage is to play the game correctly and to call a judge regardless of whether it's going to help you or hurt you. Right. And to keep this in mind, folks, we want interesting stories. We don't want to hear about every single time that everybody is... Failed to be sideboard and no, decided that, to yeah. Don't send those in. No, no, That's no. An but easy but, one. but the question, the times when you know, boy, in, you really could game. have taken advantage here, but you didn't, and it actually hurt you. You may have lost a game because of this judge call. I have a story. It's not my own, but mm. it was someone I know back in. I think it was Lorwin Lor- Block PTQ, mm-hmm. a fairy mirror match, mm-hmm. and um, my friend's opponent cast Solar of Temptation. And tried to take the the biggest fairy my friend had, which was the misbind click, the four four. Right. Well, if he had taken the misbind click, my friend would have just untapped and killed the sower, taken the misbind back, and won the game most sure. likely. However, my friend had a scion of Una on the battlefield, so the misbind click had shroud. Had shroud. So the only legal target on his side was the scion of Una. Yes. Which, if the player had chosen to take that in the first place, it would have just flat out won in the game. Right. Because I think he might have had his own Scion already. So the double Scion is like the the king of the fairy mirror match. Like, you can't lose that. You know, he had to get the the mistake corrected. Mm -hmm. Rather than just kind of like, let him take the thing and win. He had to say, no, you know, we have to... It's got Shroud, you have to target the Scion, and now I lose. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So tune in next week when we talk about the congressional regionals. Otherwise known as national qualifiers. And how California decided to secede from the union. That's right. We should just have our own nationals, I think. That's, that'd be awesome. Okay. Next week, folks. Thank you all for taking time out of your days, commutes, weeks, etc. to listen to us ramble on about all things judging magic. And many more. Thank you for listening. Please send us your questions, comments, insults. No more of those. No I more get insults. Enough. You get plenty of insults. Okay. Well, please send us anything you'd like to send us that is cookie recipes. Cookie. Oh, a cookie recipe. I am looking for some good low-fat cookie recipes. You're trying to dominate the DCI in terms of cookies. Ingrid's not going to like that. She she likes it. She likes my cookies. Well, she enjoys well, the competition. Sure, but, okay. Well, it's not all. really a competition. She just enjoys someone else making cookies, <laughs> okay. which I understand. I mean, sure, sure. So if you have an interesting uh, low-fat cookie recipe, I would love to see it. 
judgecast at gmail.com for <laughs> the magic related stuff. Send the recipe there. You can find Ricky's email address, or you can find him on Facebook too, um, to send him your cookie recipes. But for your magic related stuff, judgecast at gmail.com. Oh, that, yeah, that reminds me. If you want to find my email address, then you can go to Channel Fireball, and I am I have restarted my uh, writing career there. Ah, shameless plug. There you go. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'm, I, I think I'll be following up on things that maybe are difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Audio does cases. lend itself to not some certain yeah. types of questions. So. so I do have an article coming up that may come out about the same time as this on the whole insufficient shuffling issue. Because oh, okay. I think we can, I can delve a little deeper into the subject. Good, good. Well, we'll look forward to that. In the meantime, this is Sean Kananese. I keep it fair. And I'm Ricky Hayashi. I keep it fun. Thanks for listening.